Chapter fifty seven of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifty seven White Birch Farm, there were no animals except a white bulldog and none of the ground was tilled, turned out to be a summer house run for needy city children sent in badges of about sixteen every two weeks. The house belonged to a doctor who I heard was a very kind man. He bought the place for the purpose and he was supplying all the money to run it the house which was white large and had green shutters stood close to the road across the road there was a barn greyed by time and weather and beyond it thirty acres of ground for the children to play on on these grounds down one hill and up another there was a small wood they called the grove and at the foot of it a brook ran there was a dam and a good stretch of the water was deep enough for swimming and diving the house was in charge of miss farley who brought us down besides her and irene and myself there were two coloured women as help the children had not yet begun to come the house was being prepared for them i was helping but had a good deal of time to myself and i walked about outside i did not go far from the house i felt troubled there was the great quiet the fields lay so still yet life seemed to be teeming and the air was filled with silent voices then it began to appear as though the things were coming out of a dream it was all so strange yet familiar in about three days i went further from the house and walked among the trees i walked in among some low bushes the leaves touched my face and i stood still the quiet seemed to surround me and every now and then there was a twit a rustle and overhead the sky shone blue there seemed to be all this and i alone with it i felt my body quivering with strange feelings strange thoughts came into my mind in the house too it seemed as if i were living in a fairy tale there was a dining-room and a sitting-room and off the porch a little writing-room upstairs there were bedrooms irene and i shared a small one from the window in my corner i could see some fine old trees a bit of road a field and in the distance the side of a house gleaming white there was nothing of the institution about this place and i soon recovered my spirits as well as my health my face became brown and rosy the sun bleached my hair and again i began to find pleasure in whatever work i did but that was also perhaps because i loved miss farley i was often jealous of her at which she laughed scolded me and looked pleased i worked well but it seemed to me that this summer i did little more than play or else even work was play i saw here modern orderly systematic housekeeping there was time for everything room for everything money for everything that was necessary the thought did not come to me that all this was possible because there was means i only saw the facts miss farley was a trained nurse and a woman of education she could also do things that i had only seen men do or that i had not seen done at all she could paint she could calcimine dressed in a linen walking skirt and shirtwaist and a paper cap i would make for her she would work for hours at a stretch studying directions as she went along and her face was flushed with the exertion and the pleasure she could do wonders with a grocery box a few yards of cretonne and some brass-headed tacks and i would be helping her there again then was my chance in the hospital i had learned how to take care of a sick person of a sick room and here i was learning something of modern housekeeping miss varley also had excellent taste for shape design and colour and this too i was learning or else seeing things i knew what i wanted from the children i was learning their games they were from the ages of seven to twelve i was seventeen but now i too was twelve 
I ran races with them, I played wolf, and when the boys played baseball and were short of men, they would magnanimously take in Irene and me, and I was as happy as could be when I managed to make a home run. We played in the grove, we swam in the brook, I learned how to swim and dive. I loved the spot near the brook. The trees here grew close, bending into an arch over the water. The sun penetrated only in spots, so that here it was greener and fresher than anywhere else, and the air was sweet and moist and cool. The water over the dam fell with a rustle, and the children's voices in the grove sounded far away. I loved to sit here on one of the rocks and dream. On rainy days and evenings we played in the basement. The walls here were rough and whitewashed. There was a large fireplace and a few benches. Of an evening, then, we would hang up some lanterns, make a good fire, and draw up our seats. Some of the boys played on their harmonicas, the girls sang the latest songs, and I sang Russian and Jewish ones. It was with reluctance and at a great deal of urging from Miss Farley that I began to sing. I expected laughter and ridicule from the children, and I was not wrong. But Miss Farley made an example of the first boy who tittered by sending him out of the room. After that it was quiet whenever I sang, and little by little they became used to hearing me. The children were descendants of many nationalities, Irish, German, Italian, American. The Jews had not yet begun to come. They would only begin with me. Some of the children were rough, like the roughest on Cherry Street. Many of the children were very poor. When they sat down at the table it was evident that those who had been receiving little bread had also little manners. They ate greedily as if they would make up for the time when they had not had enough. Soon I also learned to tell which children had never seen the country before. These usually greeted the great outdoors with a whoop and a yell, and a busy time began for Miss Farley and her two aides-de-camp, Irene and myself. The boys began to run about wildly, scurrying over fences and ignoring all boundaries, climbing trees, tearing down whole limbs, filling their pockets with green apples, filling even their stockings and trying to smuggle them up to bed to take home and the little girls would begin to pick hastily everything in sight, not stopping to distinguish between flowers and weeds and pulling all up by the roots. But after a day or two the boys began to play more quietly, and the little girls would select their flowers and content themselves with few, knowing that the next day they could pick again. Sometimes as I watched them, I tried to picture our Cherry Street children scattered over the fields, and on the following summer I did see them there, and my own sister and brothers were among them. Miss Farley treated Irene and me very much like the rest of the children. She counted us in among them when asked how many there were at the house, and we ate with them. But otherwise, in the house as well as out of doors, we were her companions. Often then, while the children played in the fields, we three would sit on the piazza sewing, and Miss Farley would talk to us confidentially, particularly to me, for of Irene and myself I was the more interested because to me it was all so new. I would perhaps lead up with some remark or question on the subject that still troubled me, religion, and she would explain to me as simply as possible many little things of Christianity, of the various denominations, and of the differences between them. And as for her, I don't think she had ever known any Jews intimately before, so she was as curious about me and my people and our customs as I was about hers. I would explain to her as best I could our life as Jews and some of the laws, many of which seemed trivial on the surface, but many of which had good reasons, either moral or physical. So we would converse, nor did she make me feel that there was any difference because I was a Jewess. 
but twice the most serious question came up between us the question that so often has agitated the whole world that has often no doubt filled even the kindest gentile heart with doubt and suspicion that has made jews all over the world band together and appeal to god and men against the false accusation the question of jews needing the blood of a christian child for the passover this question was by no means unpopular at the time somewhere in europe a child had been found murdered and a jew was accused and was being tried for his life the first time this came up among many other matters she merely wanted to hear my explanation of it it was quite understood that she did not believe it i felt my face flush what could i explain i could not express myself well enough in english to myself it was quite clear all our laws tended to point against it no jew himself may kill even a fowl but must take it to the one certain man who has studied the laws in regard to it and made it his profession there would perhaps be one such man in a whole town ten miles my little grandfather used to walk to have a rooster killed that we might have meat in honour of the sabbath even if we had to go without it all the week for weeks and weeks we would be without it altogether because it was inconvenient to go and yet we would not kill even the little children knew that this law was necessary so that each individual might not become hardened to the habit of killing also because a professional hand would save the animal unnecessary suffering how could it be possible then that we needs must kill a little human child with my own knowledge and remembrance there was just this one warm afternoon in the spring when i was a child in our village our little old great-aunt from the next village came running her white close-fitting cap was all awry on her head her face was pale her lips dry and covered with dust children she cried at the door fast fast all of you large and small in a town not far away jewish blood is flowing like water a christian child has been found murdered and they say the jews have killed it for the passover and she ran on to warn one or two jewish families in the next village and my mother shut the door carefully and put the supper away for the morrow the second time this question came up between miss farley and myself was years later it was a cold evening in september the children were all in bed and miss farley and i perhaps irene too i do not recall were in the sitting-room there was a good fire in the grate and we felt friendly and congenial as we sat reading then i don't remember how it happened but miss farley picked up a large new volume bought recently i think and began to read to me a poem right from the beginning of the book which appeared to be a sort of an introduction or opening poem it told of a garden where there was sunshine and flowers and where two little boys neighbours one fair one dark were playing into the garden the windows of the two neighbours opened through one window the fair-haired mother often looked out and saw the sunshine and the flowers and heard her child laughing at the other window the dark-haired mother often stood after this i remember only my impression the fair-haired child disappeared its young blood was used as a sacrifice for the passover i have the impression of the mother's agony of the garden still in bloom of the sun shining but only one little child playing the dark one it was a well-written poem it would touch any heart with pity and horror when miss farley was through she sat quite still keeping her eyes on the page her face was flushed after a moment she said without lifting her eyes and her voice was quiet and strange with controlled emotion this might have been a custom you know perhaps it is not a custom of all jews the children would not be apt to know about it i was dumb with horror and was silent 
what could i say after all the years of her knowing me so intimately what could i say that night miss farley and irene and the two coloured women and all the children were together and i felt alone a stranger in the house that had been a home to me in that hour i longed for my own people whose hearts i knew but after all we were living in the nineteenth century and so in a day or two all was as usual i gave her my affection and she was glad of it and she seemed as fond of me as she was fond of irene so that first summer passed and the month of september came i thought this month the most glorious of the whole summer with its golden rods and the trees and the little creepers along the stone walls turning scarlet the brisk walks on crisp days the daily dip in the brook the sting of the cold water and then the feeling of sweet cleanliness and indoors in the evening there were the open fires the harmonica music the dances the songs and when the children were gone to bed the pleasant chat with miss farley and the pleasant warmth of the room scented with the odour of sweet fern drying on the hearth then a chilly day came the last batch of the children were with us miss farley began to pack away little bundles for the winter and from home a letter came asking me whether i knew that the day of atonement was approaching yes i knew then for a day or two again new life like the breath of midsummer swept through the house word came that the doctor who had just arrived from europe was coming to spend a day or two with us so i was to see the man who so generously had been supplying this family of twenty people for three months for a day we cleaned and polished and then we were ready to receive him he drove up from new haven late one afternoon and i saw from where we had gathered near the road to meet him a mature well-built handsome man such as i had learned by now to associate with the professional type like the doctors in the hospital he sat still for a moment with the reins in his hand as if he were tired and the picture of us suited him and he wished to hold it for a moment he smiled at the whole group of us his face was all kindness and gentleness and in his eyes there was a look of childlike inquiry which a little later i understood was due to imperfect hearing his gentleness showed itself in his every act the way he handed the reins to a boy who came to take the horse in his greeting of miss farley and irene in the courtesy he showed the little ones who after staring at him for a minute began to sidle up to him shyly matilda the cook came to take the ice cream he had brought which stood in the tub packed with salt and ice and was very heavy and he hastened to help her when a little later i came into the kitchen for something matilda said to me ruth does you know a gentleman when you sees one i was puzzled for a moment then i understood the doctor had helped her as he would have any other woman regardless of her colour he stayed with us two days during the day he came walking with us and in the evening when we hung up our lanterns in the basement and laid a good fire he sat on the bench among the children and attended with the greatest interest to our performances and we all distinguished ourselves the little italian boy who performed acrobatic stunts was more like an eel than ever and the boy who played on the harmonica and who his admirer assured us was so musical that he could play on the piano alike with his hands or toes this time performed on the harmonica with his nose irene led the virginia reel and miss farley made me sing my songs the doctor applauded and laughed heartily and miss farley who often had to suppress the boy's shouting and stamping whispered aside with a smile that the doctor made more noise than any of the children when he was going away he thanked the children he said with his kind smile that he had had a very nice time he said it as if he were the guest and we were his hosts and when i went home i knew that the next summer i would come again 
End of chapter 57